Hello, and welcome to the Build and Thread Conversations. I'm your host, Judy Murdoch, and today I am welcoming Linda Katz. Linda is a wild feminine soul guide and Koya 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 movement teacher who has been on a quest for the last decade to reclaim her wild. She spent five years on the hero's journey, escaping all the external cages she thought were keeping her constrained. But after changing nearly everything in her life and realizing that she still didn't feel the wildness she most longed for, she set out on the heroine's descent to dismantle the cage that existed within. So Linda, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Judy. Yeah, likewise. Um, Linda, I'm going to, I'm going to like pause it for a sec. Okay. Um, okay. So Linda, the, um, the topic that um, I was looking forward to talking with you today about was this topic of authenticity. And authenticity is kind of a, a big concept. You know, we use it a lot, um, just, you know, ma- in a matter of fact way, you know, in our conversations. Um, but I, it, it's a idea or concept or practice that has become more important to me um, over the last few years. And so I am, when I talk about authenticity, I, I just wanna start by kind of, you know, setting like this is, this is what I mean when I talk about authenticity. So I am talking about authenticity from the perspective of how we show up for ourselves and how we show up with other people. And mm. I have thought a lot about, you know, like how do I know I'm being authentic versus not authentic? Mm. And good question. It, yeah, yeah. And what it came down to for me was realizing that it was really about where my focus where my focus is, where my conscious energy is going. Mm. And so when I'm not authentic, it's because my focus is very much on how am I being received by the other person? Mm. And in particular, um, very focused on, are are they, do they approve? Am Mm. I being accepted? Um, are they impressed? Do they, you know, like those kinds of things. Yeah. And having been a business person and an entrepreneur for many years, um, that's a really like, that is something that I, I don't think I even thought about really, because I think that it was just kind of understood that your job is to sell yourself. Um, So whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in corporate, whether, you know, however you are showing up, your, your job is to persuade. It is to be liked. It is Mm -hmm. to be respected. Um, You know, you are looking for a particular, like you're very focused on kind of how you fit into the pack. And um, very much wanting to be sort of seen as somebody worthy 
of um, leadership and being followed and being taken seriously and all that good stuff. Yeah. And so when I began to think more about authenticity um, after kind of going through a, a transition in my own business, I began to think, well, I think when I am being authentic, that means that my energy and my focus is on what is true for me. Mm. And so it is, it's an inward focus rather than being an outward focus. And what I am more focused on is, you know, clearly articulating, you know, what is true for me. Um, and assuming that if it's not, if it's not clear to the other person or however that other person might receive it, I can always clarify, but my first priority is to share clearly, you know, kind of what wants to be said. Yeah. And so I am, I'm curious from your perspective, um, is there anything more that comes up for you? Well, first, I really uh, appreciate that, what you shared, because I feel like it's such an important piece. And especially that was something I realized, you know, when I started my coaching practice, you know, there was this sense of, you know, like the people pleasing tendencies in corporate, but when you start in, in your own business, they almost feel like they're more justified because yeah. you're like, well, I need people to like me because they're yeah, totally. be buying my product or, right. you know, so there's, I feel like that's something that's so um, real, even in, in, of course, like marketing can sometimes be that like persuasive or non-authentic mm -hmm. thing anyway. And even right. just that, where it's like, it almost tends to reward that that piece of us if we come from that energy so I feel like yeah I love that distinction of just where where your energy is going is it going solely to uh how is that person receiving it how how am I being seen how am I being understood to allowing the majority of the energy to come from within mm -hmm. um and I think for me with authenticity too, because like you said at the top, it's like a, it's a big concept word. <laughs> it's, um, and I think that oftentimes, you know, in my work, I talk a lot about the tyrant king and one of the kind of mm -hmm. hallmarks of the tyrant king or those kind of out of balance masculine energy is that we tend to be very either or focused. Mm. And so it's like, you're either being authentic or you're not mm -hmm. right. There's like a very right. clear distinction. And I think right. that as human beings, there's such a, a spectrum of authenticity. Cause obviously yeah. like who I am with a friend or my husband and what I share and how I show up is not going to be the same as with a client or with somebody I meet at the grocery store, you know, like, so there's just this, um, I think it's like a sliding scale. And yeah. I think that's why I love that perspective of noticing what feels true for you. And also what feels like it wants to be shared in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, Cause what I also see is like a hyper focus on authenticity, which can come out as this, like, yeah. You know, like the vulnerability right. of, of, of sharing more than perhaps 
the moment calls for, or I've done this yeah. where I shared more than my heart was ready to. Right. Right. That's, I think and, that's like a really good way to say it. Yeah. And it's like in the name of authenticity, mm. but at the same time, right. it's really kind of betraying yourself again, just in the name of authenticity. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. I mean, and then I think it slides into the territory of inauthentic again. Yes. Right. Right. And, and that was actually something that I wanted to talk about um, is this thing about like the authentic, the authenticity thing can be really, it can be, in, it can be really insidious. And um, because of our very sort of um, male oriented, super goal oriented meritocracy, you know, kind of a culture where like we're not supposed, we shouldn't be doing anything unless there's some net gain associated with it. Mm. And right. um, I remember, um, you know, at there as I, my, I'm trained as a coach, as a coach, as are you. And um, really kind of way, way back um, when coaching was sort of really becoming a, a known profession. I remember um, there were, there were all kinds of, you know, marketing things that were being directed to coaches. And one of the things of course was authentic marketing <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and just, and, and, and just, you know, like there's, there's nothing wrong, authentic marketing, you know, like I, I hear that phrase and I think, wow, that sounds really good. Actually, that sounds really nice. I like that idea, but yeah what it was really was more of a kind of a, a hyper sort of awareness of like, okay, I'm going to be authentic now, but it's still, <laughs> but, but you're still basically playing a role of like, okay, yeah. I'm going to play the role of an authentic uh, business owner. And, and what would the <laughs> authentic business owner say? And what would be okay? to say, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. because I really mm -hmm. want people to be impressed by my authenticity. <laughs> so it's just like the whole thing. It's just like, I, I mean, for myself anyway, it's, it's, I, I'm, I think it's, I would prefer somebody like, I, I just, I used to just prefer dealing with people who didn't have a whole lot of empathy and didn't necessarily care a whole lot about how they came across, you know, right. kind of crass, but they're just like, Hey man, you know, I got, I remember this one guy I, I talked to once who's total jerk, but you know, he was just like, he owned a printing, you know, outfit. And he said, Hey man, I put ink on paper. What do you do? And it was just like, okay, you know, you're a jerk, but I know you're a jerk. Right. You're yeah. like, you are right up front about your jerkiness. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, like, I know I'm never going to give you any business, but like, I know where you're coming from versus yeah. somebody who's like, oh, hey, Judy, oh, I'm really interested in your business. And, you know, like just kind of acting yeah. like they care and then, yeah. you know, being a jerk anyway, <laughs> yes. I'd like trust, start to trust them and think like, oh, okay, like, you know, they, gen they genuinely care about the success of my business and really want to do a great job for me. And, and then it turns out, no, I'm a jerk. I bet, it, but I have a, you know, kind of a, a woke uh, facade that I, I like to walk around with. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. It's like, 
there's a certain level of integrity and um, maybe an okayness with just being a jerk, which is probably more acceptable, unfortunately, if you're a dude. Um, (laughs) But the word that came up for me was just like that sense when somebody is slippery. Like you're like, oh, they feel a little slippery, right? Like you can't quite pinpoint, Uh you know, who they are or like, there's this uh-huh. sense that like, I'm going to use the slight manipulation to get what yes. I want versus like an ownership of your agenda too. Like, mm-hmm. like I put ink on paper. If you want to use Fair my enough. services, use my services. And you're like, I, I don't, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's it. Versus right. this kind of like, yeah, structuring of, of this, like, I don't want you to know that I'm trying to get you to come into my yeah but I'm and that I think is just yeah it's it's quite pervasive unfortunately I mean I think to a certain degree it is and I think it's probably taught as well you know like because we're taught to be so goal-oriented and sometimes I think it can come from come from a genuine place in that you know, we, we think that we really want to help the person and that we can help the person. And I think that for me, the, the disconnect is always that like, even that process, I want it to kind of borrow a phrase from Danielle Laporte, like the, like the journey has to feel the way you want the destination to feel. So if the journey feels like you have to be manipulative or try to like come up and not be yourself, Uh if that feels icky, then it's, it's not enough that like, that will always taint the end destination. It's like, you can't really separate the two. They're always kind of one, that package. And so I think that it's, it doesn't necessarily come from a, like a dubious place. Yeah, I think it can come from this need of like, yeah, wanting to, I really think I can help you and I'll do whatever I can to, or it comes from, I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that it, it does come from a, a sincere place, you know, there's sincerity there. Yeah. But um, I, I also know quite often, you know, kind of when, when that business person is up, on, up, up against some stress, you know, the ruthlessness comes out all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, there was a velvet glove, but beneath it, here's the iron fist. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've dealt with some people like that and it's, it's hard because you want to trust them. Yeah. But you can't. Yeah. And, 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 and it's pain. I, I find it painful to deal with people like that because quite often I, I like the sincere, I like the, the sincere side of them, you know, that, that right. really, you know, they, they really do care. They're, um, you know, they, there really is a very beautiful side of them, but um, that side goes away when, you know, the rubber meets the road or the shit hits the Mm. fan. And then all of a sudden it's just sort of like, yeah, I'm a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like to a certain degree, perhaps that also has to do with like emotional immaturity where it's like, you know, that kind of rage or those, those pieces of themselves. I like, I mean, I can speak for myself. I won't speak for other people, but you know, when I don't own them, they have a tendency to come out sideways (laughs) <laughs> you know, because we all have yeah, yeah. those, those kind of darker and, and you know, if something's yeah. not done the way I want it, like that right. kind of anger, whatever. And if I don't allow space for that in any way in my life. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it. You know, it's like, can we hold both of those things simultaneously in ourselves right. that like, you know, I can get angry at somebody 
and I can love them simultaneously. Sure. But I think that so many, like we get stuck in this, like I get angry and I revoke my love. Yeah. Um, it's a nice way. I actually, I think that's a really great way to say it. Um, I have, I have one, you know, like a, a business relationship in mind as you're saying that. And that feels, uh, it feels very true. Although I will add to that, you know, um, this emotional maturity and ability to own your your shadow your shadow yeah. selves um you know the dark guests whatever however you want to refer to these parts of ourselves that you know like they're part of us but you know they're they can be really painful when they show up yeah. um you know it, it it takes work and intention to um to own them. I mean, like to yeah. truly, you know, fully own, own these things. And yeah. we don't, there's, there's kind of like, you're not going to find that guidance unless you look for it, or perhaps you are blessed with, you know, like a mentor or parent or teacher who does a beautiful job modeling it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're such a society that focuses on behavior and the right behavior and right. doing the right thing. And so it's like, you know, from childhood on, if we have the less desirable emotions, we're, we're taught very quickly that those are not okay. There's very right. few spaces, like you said, where somebody has the capacity to be able to hold them without taking it personally you know, if it's just like an emotional outburst, even as a child. So yeah, even it only gets more intense as, as an adult. And I think it's something that you said too, like to own them is not to unload them on other people. Right. right. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. right. It's like, that's, I feel like there's such a, a discrepancy between like that um, when it comes out and it's like completely directed and it's like a barb and it almost feels like this, like, here's the rage or the anger or whatever was not dealt with. That's just going to be solely right. focused into like one direction yeah. into one person because it hasn't been given an outlet. It hasn't been explored. It hasn't right. been allowed right. to, you know, like I think of it um, because you're a dog owner. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it, but it's like, you know, like if your dog for whatever reason, gets really set off by something like some person walks by and maybe they have a dog or something and your dog just goes nuts right yeah and it's like you can say like you know like it's not you it's my something just triggered my dog and I'm sorry you know yeah. and that I think that's like more of a way to say like you own it and like you you can also place it in perspective right right you don't you keep your dog on leash Right. And, you know, like it doesn't, you know, it, it, it but it gets to have its moment of, right. of releasing that energy and then you can right. move on versus, right. yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about with authenticity is this idea of how it can be especially difficult for people who identify as outsiders and have always had a hard time feeling at home like just with like conventional, you know, people who are more conventional um, because then it's, it's not just like, I, I don't know, this is like me talking, of course, but like for me, it's like really feeling nervous that how I show up 
you know, just as myself is just going to like weird people out <laughs> and, or, you know, yeah. And it, it like that, the fear that I am going to make people uncomfortable. Right. And, um, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit too. Um, if you have any, any thoughts about it. Yeah. I mean, I it feels like a double whammy to me. Yeah. I mean, I completely resonate. And I think part of me as I continue on down my journey is like, the question becomes, if I make people uncomfortable, is that a bad thing? Yeah. Can I be okay with that? Can, can that actually be a positive thing in certain cases? You know, there's a certain level of discomfort that is uh, Mm -hmm. good, that's healthy that we all need to, to, to need that. And I think that it's, um, and there's that very human perspective, especially when, you know, that combination of kind of feeling like an outsider, being a bit of a people pleaser, being an empath, which I find are just nuzzled up close to one another um, because we're so aware of other people's discomfort, you know, like that guy, the printer that you were talking about, one, he either didn't know about discomfort or he just didn't flat out care. I think he he may not. not. I I think this guy could care less. I just think he was, you know, like there are just people, I swear, I think their DNA, like their, their empathy DNA just didn't, didn't show up or something. Right. And so it's like, how can we be in this place of still being empathetic without needing to control another person's response or control another person's experience? Because I feel like, at least Mm. for me, that's where empathy starts to become um, really constrictive. Good point. And, And that's where that role starts to come in, because then it's like, oh, well, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. So I'll just be the version of me that makes you the most comfortable. Because I feel uncomfortable when yeah, I feel yeah. your discomfort, right? right. Like we, we feel yeah. it and we're like, oh, they feel uncomfortable with me. I need yeah. to change something versus right. that belongs to them. Yeah, yeah. And also I think like the, what kind of comes up for me is this idea of like somehow creating a, a container that's large enough for it, you know, yeah. for all, the, all these feelings that may be coming up and not to be threatened by it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the more that like we get comfortable with our own discomfort, the more that we can seek out situations where we don't feel comfortable necessarily and be, um, normalize that to a certain degree. And obviously not to a point where we're like, you know, harming ourselves in in any Mm -hmm. way, but you know, like the, the more that that can, that we can just meet that discomfort without needing to, uh, make it bad or wrong. Right, the more right. that we'll be able to hold space and, and not kind of try to mitigate someone else's discomfort. Right, right, yeah. It's like, you know, and I, I think too, there's something about kind of, you know, giving people the sovereignty to have their experience without, yes. you know, feeling like you have to like, you know, somehow get into them and, and fix it. Yes, yes. Yeah, Which it starts to become really sticky really fast. Yeah. Uh, like to me that's being respectful I mean that that to me is like being respectful to yourself and the other person into the relationship yeah and let me tell you I could not have probably had this conversation with you like 10 years ago it's it's (laughs) taken some you know process and growing on my own side to um kind of understand these things about myself but it feels really good (laughs) (laughs) to be more comfortable with it yeah I mean 
I'm, I'm right there with you. Like 10 years ago, I was, I remember a few, um, few months ago, there was this like video that came out years ago, the prancer size video. I don't know if you saw that the woman no. who would do like dance walking as a <laughs> form of exercise. And it was just, it was just, it's very silly, but she's just like fully owns it. And I remember being younger and just, you know, thinking it was ridiculous and making fun of it and like, you know, and could never imagine myself doing something like that, um, mm. except in, in an ironic fashion, Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's now I look back and I'm like, that was just because I was so afraid of right. that. Right. You know, I was so afraid to be that woman yeah. who's then like, people are looking at you going, what is that person doing? And, you know, now when I walk sometimes with my husband or my dog, or even by myself, I'm not so afraid of like, if I feel like doing a little dance move or <laughs> if I'm talking to myself, you know, like before I was so concerned with what other people would think of me and like, oh, here's, here's that crazy lady who's like, transercising <laughs> down the block and and the more I go along the the less I care about it um and the better that feels of you dancing down the block with your dog. <laughs> that would be so cool maybe your dog would dance with you too she probably would, would. Like <laughs> she she loves to dance the only thing she Aww. does not like is when I use if I I learned quickly do not bring my phone on that walk she oh, is really that is she does not allow me, which is great. Like, that's why I love yeah. her. She's okay. like, this is our time. I want oh, you to be present. And she would jump on me. She would really? misbehave. Oh, wow. She just hated it. Cool. <laughs> I like your dog more and more. I do too. <laughs> so one of the other questions I wanted to address, because I feel sort of like in our conversation, it's been like, almost like an understanding because you and I are in agreement. We have similar values, but I want to just kind of ask like, why is being authentic so important? Because, mm. you know, you know, like you could, I mean, you know, like people get along in our world just fine, um, you know, not being themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, just this deep human need yeah. to be seen mm -hmm. and to be known um, and to be loved in, in that, where it's um, to have somebody who knows us to have that intimacy, to have, mm -hmm. um, and that love present, I feel like it's just I think it probably, I, I would venture to say it's in every human being and that some of us are just more potentially aware of it or, um, you know, one of my kind of goals, I hate using that word, but is to, to live and experience the breadth and the depth of life. Yeah. And mm -hmm. without authenticity or without greater authenticity, mm -hmm. that's not possible. I would, I would almost like take it further to say I, it's, it's not much of a life then. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an existence, but it's not much of a life. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that um, it, I mean, I think it's a fundamental human need. I think it is in our DNA and you did a really nice job articulating um, that, that 
I think that desire to be fully seen and um, received and to be loved. Yeah. You know, um, for for all of us. I yeah. I you know I I, I don't have any kind of a background in um, developmental psychology, but it just seems to me that um, it's it's kind of the first thing that a, an infant needs. It, I mean. In, a, in addition to just, you know, food and warmth. Yeah. But I think just that that attachment to yeah. their mother. Yeah, yeah. And I think perhaps with, I, would, I mean, I don't know if I could say this for a lot, but I feel like it's it's something that is in some ways quite rare and so I feel to, to have that sense of being really seen for who we are and loved. And it's almost like, how do we know that it's missing if we've never experienced it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's my pondering is like, oh, well, but, but if we have performed or played a role and we've, we've never known that that was something, um, Wow. It's like you almost have to experience it to be like, I never knew I was missing this thing. <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I guess I did take it for granted. I, I had um, grandparents who were very nurturing and very, you know, grandparenty kind of grandparents who just thought the sun and moon, you know, rose on me and on my sisters. And I had, a, I had a father who was a very, just really good at kind of just being very affectionate and very real you know mm. um just kind of was always kind of himself with us and um I uh I, I mean I, that was a very a very precious experience so I guess I, I'm lucky in that I I had that exposure as, as you know a young child yeah and that very much resonates for me as well and it's um and also acknowledging that not everyone has that has that experience that it can actually be um, not as as prevalent as one would hope and right. so it's like it's almost like because you have these experiences or I have these experiences of of knowing what that feels like to be seen and to be known and to be loved it's like that's the level of relationship that then right. becomes like the the north star um and I wonder, you know, like if that hadn't been the case, mm. it becomes like that thing that we, there might be some kind of nagging discontent, but it doesn't have a name and it doesn't have a shape because it's not something that has been like present and then is, is taken away. I think, I think to myself, um, you know, it's like, I keep thinking of the, uh, that poem. I don't, I don't remember who wrote it, but it's a fragment about people who live lives of quiet desperation mm. and that that is what comes up for me when I think about you know kind of living a life where you're not you don't really have any authentic connections with other people for whatever reasons yeah that might be um, Linda would you speak a little bit about um, you know we we were we've been talking about how our culture is a very kind of patriarchal, it's a very male type of culture. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody would argue with me about that. 
<laughs> but um, one of the things that I, I really have appreciated about you, you and your work is you do such a great job of articulating, you know, like not that it, there's like a, a better alternative, if you will, like if we were more like, you know, like a more uh, maternal culture, like things would be better. But I, I think what you, you stand for is a combining of the two. But I would love for you to speak to, you know, what is that more feminine way of being? And how mm -hmm. does that fit into authenticity? It's mm, a great question. Yeah, I feel like our culture, like sometimes I to kind of, I'll come back to the question, but just in, um, you know, masculine energy isn't good or bad. Feminine energy isn't good or bad. It's like, it's just that one, when, when something becomes out of balance, it's like right. something that can be good. That is, is completely out of balance over time will become uh, dysfunctional. And I feel like that's what's happened. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to articulate it. And I think that there's, I mean, there's so many things that come up for me. I think the main ones on this kind of more feminine um, way of being is rather than being rooted in productivity and in getting shit done, um, which is kind of our whole culture is kind of geared around producing. Um, a yeah, femi no, totally. the feminine is really kind of more rooted in relationship. Mm -hmm. You see it even in like, mm -hmm. you know, in coaching and in, in medicine. And there's like a, this kind of, it's, it's very linear also, like the masculine culture is very linear. So it's like healing or whatever it is, is very linear. I'm going to take you from point A to point B and here's right. how we're going to get from A to B. And the feminine is, is not so much that it's, it's much more cyclical. It's a bit more mm -hmm. uh, synchronous, simultaneous. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's rooted in that relationship, it's that uh, just being with what is rather than right. you having a problem and, and it needing to be fixed in a certain it. way. Yes. Right. Which is how we kind of perceive everything. Right. Um, it colors so much of what we um how we see right it's kind of like everything becomes yeah. this problem that needs to be it's fixed frame. rather right it's the yes. frame of the universe yes rather than that you know these are things that are um that are happening can we just be with them can we be with ourselves I think another piece mm -hmm. for me has been you know coming back into my body like the feminine is very much you know matter matter and mother share that same root and, you know, the, our bodies, mother earth, um, all of these ways that, uh, they've kind of been denigrated in service yeah. to mind so in much. service. Yeah. To disembodied spirit. And so like for so long, I colluded with that, you know, yeah. I didn't, I treated my body like a punching bag, yeah. you know, no, no, no. I, I totally get it. It's like, <laughs> my body is a car. It is a vehicle. Yes. <laughs> it is here to help. It's in service to my great, you know, and fabulous goals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I totally get yeah. that. And when it breaks down, we get mad and we're like, yeah. I will push it harder. I need to give it better fuel. You know, like there's just, 
Um, or or so give me something so I don't feel the pain, you know, yes. so I can keep going despite it, you know, just, you know, yes. give me a cortisone shot so I can, you know. Continue to live my life exactly the same way without right, exactly. feeling the consequences of right, living right. my life this way. Yeah, so I feel like there's, there's that too, is that um, the truth it's, it's of the serial relationship. Yeah. Which sounds just like when you think about it, even a little bit, it just sounds terrible, right? Well, and I think there's a reason that, I mean, as women, we have almost all autoimmune disorders are in women. Autoimmune disorders are where the body is attacking itself, like where we are literally attacking ourselves, we're attacking our bodies. Um, And so like, even- I, I know that and you're right. And it's like on a symbolic level, I feel like, especially having a a female body or a body that doesn't conform in whatever way to the kind of ideal, there's all of these ways that we kind of internalize that attack. And I think how that piece pertains to authenticity, um, for me, there's this real humanity that comes up when it comes to having a body right? Like there's this, there's this, yeah, it is what makes us human. Like we can't have a human experience without being here, you know, in whatever form our bodies take. And I think that there's, um, there's a certain level of humility, you know, where it's like, as, as, as lack of sexy as it sounds, but it's like everybody poops, you know, like like you can live in this fancy penthouse apartment with a golden toilet (laughs) and you still gotta poop. Like we're all that's right. right? And our bodies all, and and I think that this is also why, you know, like there's kind of this, it's a great around youth. Yes. And we, we, we resist that so much and we try so much to like stay young and, you know, right. not have our skin sag and, yeah. and wither and develop wrinkles because eventually like our body is this very reminder that we're yep. here for a very short period of time. That's right. Momentum and so, worry, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like this piece of, um, when we're disconnected from that, when we're disconnected from our bodies, it's like our authenticity never really roots down. It, 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 it's kind of impossible to, right. um, it kind of comes from this, just this heady place, this kind of idea right. of authenticity rather than right. this kind of oh, here's, here's me and all of my warts and all figuratively, literally, yeah. like the, the, there's kind of a, a an ownership or a, right. a, a deepening of a human authenticity, the more that we can kind of come down into our bodies and to, right. to celebrate our bodies as they are in, in whatever shape or form one day or age. And, uh, one day. Yes. <laughs> Today. <laughs> that in itself, man, that, that's like a whole year of conversations, you know? Oh, I yeah. I was thinking about, um, there's something Tokopa Turner talks about, I think in the book Belonging, or it might be in her companion video. And she talks about how there is something about people who have suffered greatly 
and come out the other side, you know, mm -hmm. kind of that heroine's descent idea of having suffered greatly and walked through the process and, and come and, and you come out a wiser, more accepting person. Yeah. And she had talked about how there's just something very comfortable um, and, and just really attractive mm. about people who are just sort of comfortable with their whole selves. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like in their presence, we can become more comfortable with our whole selves. Yeah. You right. know, like we, we, we can sense that like, oh, they're not going to run, you know, like they're just, they're here and they have that, yeah. you know, it's like that We're, wisdom. Not gonna freak them out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to make them uncomfortable kind of circling back around to that, right. that fear that comes up around kind of revealing ourselves, like the, the, the beauty and the gift that it is when you have the people who have kind of um, walked their path right. and, you know that they're not going to roll their eyes or, right. you know, like they're not, they're not going to be uncomfortable by your, you know, particular brand of weird. They're going to celebrate <laughs> it, you, know, you know, like those people are a gift. <laughs> I know. I, I like when people celebrate my particular brand of weird, you know, <laughs> like we, we can all just have some fun together. Um, there was something, oh, you had said that about you know our bodies aging and you know like it that's the other thing too is that this kind of wisdom I think you do have to be a particular age maybe in your 30s to like maybe have experienced enough to really own, own it in, in its entirety not to say that there aren't younger people who are very wise but I do think it's just kind of there's life experience that just has to happen Yes. But I was also thinking about how, you know, like there are people who can be quite elderly and they still, you know, like emotionally, they, they haven't gotten past their sorority or fraternity days, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of a sad thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. That lack of, of eldership. And I yeah. think there's something that you shared. There's one of my favorite quotes and I'm probably going to butcher it, but <laughs> I'll give you the basic gist by Marion Woodman is this idea that wisdom is um, the sacred combination of, of knowledge and experience. And so knowledge is kind of gained through the mind, through right. you know, learning and, and wisdom is, or experience is gained through the passions of the body. And I think that when you say, you know, that's why it's like, yeah, when you're 20, you haven't had very many experiences yet. You know, like it, the more that we experience life, the more that, right. um, and I think that the, I don't want to say issue, but you know, like our culture doesn't tend to revere that as much as we yeah, tend right. to revere the kind of, uh, very, Right. Ideological, uh, black or white intellectual, like I'm fighting, you know, like the, the glory of being 17 and having a cause that you care deeply about, you know, that like you just are on fire for it. And right. there's beauty in that. And then right. there's beauty in the people who eventually are older, who have, have tempered that with, right 
some of their, you know, own experiences, not becoming cynical, but there has been this kind of tempering that you experience life. And you're like, when you're 17, you think, you know, everything, right. Right. (laughs) You think you you have all the answers. Then you realize, oh shit, now I'm 38. Like maybe like taming a young horse, you know, like a Mm. horse that's like full of energy, but it, it does, it needs to, it needs to learn. It just needs to, mm. to learn how to, to do certain things and not just do things on impulse. Um, yeah, and I, I do think in our, again, in our culture, we do not appreciate elderhood. Um, but then again, I also think that most of us don't really learn how to be elders. No. Which is, which is unfortunate and which I hope changes because I sense there is more interest and, you know, there's more interest in it perhaps than there used to be. Yeah. And I wonder like, what is the relationship or what gifts of authenticity does elderhood have that we aren't experiencing because wow. of that? Wow. That's a really cool, I mean, that's just a cool question to think about. I'd like, I mean, like I kind of look forward to contemplating it. Yeah, me too. So I, I've got like one other thing I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, it, both of us have had this experience of, um, you know, kind of learning to express ourselves authentically, you know, and growing in that capacity. And um, huh, I'm reading what I wrote because like what I wrote sounds like really interesting. <laughs> okay, so, um, I love those moments where like, this is good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of like, I wrote something really good. And then I thought like, oh, wait, like, I I think like, I'm not quite on this path yet. So, but what I wanted to talk about here was, and this is, again, like a part of your work is this idea of, you know, like, in this world of the tyrant king, where we have this very sort of oppressive sort of, you know, meritocracy sort of framework and everything. And you have talked about how um, women, and, and I, I think, you know, men experience it in their own way as well, but specifically to women, um, we have a tendency to either be the quote-unquote good girl, who mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of basically complicit going along, and, you know, like, and then there, and then I know for myself too, like, once I began to realize, you know, like, oh, I've been held down and, you know, I've, I've been going along and all this kind of stuff. And then there's this other, this rebel part of you comes up yeah. and um, which is kind of like a more like, I don't know if it's an offensive or defensive position, but it is certainly <laughs> a pushing back type, type of position. Um, but what I'm looking for here is this idea of finding, like building bridges so that, you know, you're not, caught because you can kind of go from being sort of like oh my god I've been so inauthentic and okay so I'm going to be really authentic which means I'm going to be a rebel you know (laughs) I'm going to be a rebel man you know like give the finger to the man and all that kind of stuff and um you can also be in this position where I think from a rebel perspective of like you can say like well all of you conventional people I'm better than you you guys are just a bunch of sheep and 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 I'm, I'm curious about like, how do we find a, a middle path? Mm. I really like this idea of the middle path where, mm-hmm. you know, we can 
I can reside on the island of misfit toys, <laughs> but I can still welcome visitors and perhaps like, you know, visit the mainland and yeah. do it from a perspective of, you know, like loving kindness and compassion. Yeah. yeah. It's a juicy question. Yeah. I think, I feel like the rebel stage is an important stage. It gives us, you know, that sense of separation, that sense of disruption, um, and Hopefully it's it easy in teen years right <laughs> oh know? it tends to I feel like it's like a cycle <laughs> at least in my that's, experience it's actually like, I think that's a really I think that's a very like really that's a very good observation I really like that it tends but, to come um, back yeah, yeah it tends well to said. come back up You're in right. a different slightly different form but kind of a similar energy um right but yeah I mean I feel like so much of of my work is, is treading and, um, that like that middle path, as you say, and like one of the things that popped up and in, in hearing you share was like, how can we, even between building bridges between parts of ourselves first yeah, and foremost, good point. you know, like, yeah, you're right. Cause what can tend to happen is we see, you know, we see our good girl pattern. We become, become conscious of it. And then we flip into that rebel and we're just right. filled with disgust for that part of ourselves yeah. that was inauthentic or yeah. that was, you know, being taken advantage of or, right. um, yeah. and so even, even within ourselves, we like cut off pieces. And so I feel like there's this base of like, how do we build bridges and can, can, and this is, I don't even know, like this question just pops up where it's like, can our authenticity have room for the moments where we're inauthentic? Like, can yeah. that even be a part of the humanity that we accept is that there will be moments where we're not fully yeah. authentic. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I feel like that's this maybe part of the, the key then to building bridges to, to other people is yeah. it, regardless is that there is this sense then of, there's not a, the, the hard line between authentic and inauthentic or right. the rebel versus the normal person or like the muggle, if you will, from Harry Potter, <laughs> right? Like right, I'm right, a witch yeah, and you're a yeah. muggle. It's, right, you know, yes. it becomes like that becomes to, um, it begins to disintegrate a little bit because we don't have those harsh lines within ourselves right. of, of there's enough space there that we right. can, you know, that like somebody's magic might be very different from ours and might, you know, look very different or feel very different or something that like lights someone else on fire, like doing a spreadsheet right. might feel like soul death to me, but it really brings them alive, you know, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I have, I know people who actually that's, that's their art. I mean, that's, that is their bless them, bless them. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, seriously though. And, um, I know. and they, they get, you know, real, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's their art and, and we um, need that. Yeah. Like there's we, something. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. We sure do. We, um, I like to think that, you know, this insanely diverse bunch of human beings on this earth, you know, not to mention the insanely diverse forms of life and you know expression on this earth you know I I dearly believe that like you know whatever you are whoever you are whatever your genius is 
it's it's needed there's yeah. a there's a place for you yeah I deeply believe that as well and I think it's you know I almost imagine it like you know I feel like with the the world wide web uh <laughs> Quite, quite literally, you know, uh-huh. like the yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind yeah, of no, digital yes, age, right. right? Like before it was like very linear, like right. the, the kind of industrial age was very linear. Yeah. And yeah, now we've sure. entered this kind of um, phase that is, is less so that is this kind of web. And so it's like, yeah. what if it's not an island and the mainland? Like, what if we frame even the question differently and we're just building bridges between clusters of islands, you know, like yeah, maybe yeah, there, yeah, so that saying. like we can even begin to frame how we, the metaphors and um, the way that like, we look at it differently. Like it kind of feels like the nervous system. Yes. Almost, like the way our yes. brains are, are, are um, organized and structured that it's very clustered. And yeah. so you know, like maybe it is like a 360 sphere, which is like kind of difficult for me to really visualize, but um, but like that, you know, like yeah. where there's the possibility for connection, you know, yes. sort of in infinite ways. Yeah. Oh, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> I know, mind blown. Oh, <laughs> that is deep. Um, but what I'm taking from what you said was like what I took um was that and I I always like I always hear this and I just think like oh god of course but it, it does there there's a big piece of, of beginning with them and um you know like begin beginning with our own kind of compartmentalized selves and yeah. um, the parts of ourselves that that we have um you know sent into exile to the island of misfit toys yeah so um it, it does um, it does begin with ourselves. And I also was just like um, very, I know I, I for myself, the, pra- the practice of self-compassion has been really important. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree that there is this piece of having compassion, having understanding of, um, taking that moment to pause when we are, for example, inauthentic, you're like, why did I say that? And instead of being like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or, oh, you know, that kind right. of like yeah. when that tyrant king comes in and is like, right. <laughs> cut you down, let's make sure we manage that behavior. So you don't do that again, versus this kind of like, huh, I wonder where that came from. Or like, I wonder what it was about this particular situation or this particular relationship that Mm-hmm. that brought up that response. And it comes from this genuine place of curiosity of wanting right. to get to know yourself better and to allow to also have that self-intimacy, mm-hmm. um, which when we come from that compartmentalized place, we can't really have. Right. That's very true. It's, um, you know, there's compassion of, I, I think anytime you can look at yourself and say, I'm human and yeah. I needed to, I, I mean, at the time I felt like that's what I needed to do. how I needed to be um to me that's always like it's a much more forgiving um compassionate place to receive yourself because you know if I can't receive myself it's really I I can't 
do for, I can't offer others what I can't do for myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I have, so I have one more question for you, Linda. Um, yes. And what I was wondering is like, if there are people listening who are interested in learning more about what you do, your work, um, Cora, am I pronouncing it correctly? Cora? Koya. Koya. Koya, yeah. Um, where, what are some things that they, how can they check, check you out, learn more about what you do? So a good place would be, uh, my website, singingbirdcoaching.com. Um, I've been taking a little social media hiatus, so I'm not so active on there recently. Um, so my website would be probably the best place and, um, there's a newsletter sign up and that's what I've, I've been kind of more devoted to. And I have intro workshops and teach Koya classes and do one-on-one coaching. So there's a whole plethora of different options for folks who are <laughs> feeling hungry for it and have a little, I love that word. <laughs> I use that all the time. I love that word too. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. It's, it's one of those words. So Linda, thank you so much. I, um, I was, I really was looking forward to us having this conversation and I just enjoyed being with you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise, Judy, it was wonderful.